everyone. Welcome to the Brand Safety Exchange Podcast. My name is Tiffany Xinyuan. I'm the president and the co-founder of Oasis Consortium, a nonprofit organization that advances digital sustainability through ethical technologies and standards. It's been a true pleasure to launch and host this podcast for the past couple of years. We covered so many topics with an incredible list of guests, such as building a business case for sustainable media with Angela Johnson, Chief Client Officer at Dentsu, the importance of human content moderation and digital wellness with Phil Tomlinson, Global Lead for Trust and Safety at Taskos. These are just some of the thought leaders and practitioners across user and brand safety who have come together as a think tank to launch the first ever user safety standards, an effort that consolidated the narrative around how to create a sustainable digital future. That initiative helped ignite what is now a mainstream conversation about trust and safety. The interplay of user and brand safety in the ecosystem, and how we can create and empower ethical, positive online experiences, and we are growing. Last fall, we announced the hiring of our first managing director, Erica De Lorenzo, an industry veteran who will support the consortium's expansion and amplify its mission. Erica has an impressive breadth and depth of experience in growing and operating memberships to drive collaboration. As part of her role, she will be taking over as the host of this podcast. So it is my great pleasure to introduce her today. I look forward to supporting her and our collective efforts to build an ethical by design digital future, which you will hear more about today and in the coming weeks. Erica, now over to you. Thank you, Tiffany. There is so much work to be done, and I'm truly grateful for your leadership, for the pioneering efforts of the advisory board, and to be a part of creating lasting positive change for the media ecosystem and the people that we serve. So um, now I'm ready to launch the next season of the Brand Safety Exchange. And to do that, we've invited someone who has been an integral part of OASIS, uh, specifically helping to lead the creation of the user safety standards which frankly was a pioneering effort that consolidated the narrative around how to create a sustainable digital future. So Matt Soeth is the head of trust and safety at Spectrum Labs. And today we're gonna talk about critical trust and safety issues that our media ecosystem is facing, why industry standards are actually necessary for healthy business growth and how you and your organizations can utilize them in your operating principles. Welcome Matt. Yay. Hi, how are we doing today? Hey, we're great. Welcome. So glad to have this conversation with you. You and I have gotten to know each other over the past uh, few months and um, share a lot of the same motivations and values. And I am just really excited to, to learn from you uh, some more and to share um, some of your perspective with our audience. So um I thought we would start, as I like to do, with just a little bit of your background um, and how you came to trust and safety. I think the personal journey is always really interesting, especially yours. Yeah, excited to answer this question, and thank you for having me here. It's just Oasis has been such a fun project and really just excited for the work and collaboration that's happening across different platforms. 
For me in trust and safety, I really sort of got thrust into this space through my environment. Um, I was a high school teacher at the time. Um, initially it was texting and eventually it became smartphones and social media apps, you know, and you transitioned about 2004 and then around 2008 smartphones became prevalent in schools with, uh, teenagers. And that's where, as they would describe it, the drama started, right. You know, as industry would describe it, you know, bullying and harassment, uh, is sexting, um, all the fun topics we get to work on in trust and safety. And so I began really working on this at a school level with young people looking at like, how can we empower them to not only make good decisions, but then how to respond to this content in a certain way. And, and this is still early days, right? User user reporting tools were new if they existed at all. Um, policy was still somewhat kind of vague and emerging. Um, reporting streams uh, didn't really exist in some places or you get backlogged pretty easily. So trying to find a way to work with platforms um, to just develop better tools and really work on education, right? Education, educate individuals who are going online and to educate the platforms on, on what was really happening on our side and the things we were seeing. And from there, that led me to co-found a nonprofit uh, called Hashtag I Can Help. And we did a lot of the education work here in the US and Canada that also led to collaboration with groups uh, in the UK and India and Australia, which was uh, just fascinating to see these global efforts coming down. Um, and then that, I uh, did that for a while, also started a social media helpline for schools uh, with the amazing Ann Collier. Uh, encourage folks to check her out. She's been in the space for 20 years, um, just brilliant mind. And, and through her, we just begin doing, um, I can help social media helpline, uh, digital for good was another event we started and just started working a lot with platforms. And that led me uh, to getting hired at TikTok in 2020, right? Right as the pandemic hit, uh, I got hired at TikTok on their global trust and safety team was one of the, the first 12 uh, here on uh, the US side to get pulled into that team and just built a lot of the tools, resources, um, you know, working there at TikTok. And then before coming over here to Spectrum, it's been a year and a half. So managing the TS Collective and now head of trust and safety and got to work on all the Oasis stuff. It's, it's been a very fun journey. Okay, that's fantastic. It really is such a such a great story. And um, thank you for all of those efforts. They're, they're very much needed um, in, in our society. So I'm sure there are a lot of grateful people for some of the stuff that you set up. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about your role and uh, current focus at Spectrum Labs? Yeah, this is uh, actually a big part of coming over to Spectrum is as much as I loved TikTok, it, it was amazing being able to, to set up a lot of stuff on that platform. Um, with Spectrum, we have an opportunity, I had an opportunity to work across multiple platforms, right? Because we support gaming, dating, and social apps. So really sort of broadening my knowledge and trust and safety. Um, I get to work uh, advising platforms, collaborating on policy ideas, looking at tools and best practices. Um, I get to help run the TSC, which is very uh, it's fun. It's like a club for trust and safety professionals, right? So being able to be like, hey, what do you guys want to talk about? And being able to organize those events and put panels together and share learning sessions. That was my favorite part of teaching was being able to have those days where you can actually like, hey, what do you do? How do you do this? And and the TSC really gets to create that, um, which is just a joy. And then um, along with policy products, best practices is what what type of content, you know, is the industry looking at? You know, being able to have the time to go and research meet with professionals and experts and, and pull those resources together and be like, hey, here's something that can actually help you do this. I feel that particularly in the policy world and, and pulling on my education policy experience, there's a lot of great conversation about what something should look like, but there's not a lot of conversation about, okay, well, how do you do that? 
And so I've tried to bring that knowledge to this space of, you know, here's what regulation's saying, here's what policy should be saying, here's what the best practices are saying, but then trying to scaffold that in a way to where it's like, oh, we can actually implement this and here are the steps we can follow to do that. Fantastic. Yes, as you know, I'm a big fan of the how, big fan of the how. So, all right, let's let's dig into some of that um, and, and talk about some of the, the issues that we're all grappling with. So we've... Uh, We've learned a lot, unfortunately, um, by watching the situation at Twitter unfold. Um, there have been many layoffs uh, of content moderators and a reduction of brand safety resources. And of course, you know, we are in an economic downturn. Um, but in November, we saw that Twitter's ad revenue was down 50% year over year, arguably as a result of some of those decisions. So can you help our audience understand the connection between healthy online communities and sustainable digital business models? Yeah, and the simple answer there is if a platform doesn't have good safety practices, uh, practices, brand or otherwise, like no one's going to want to advertise there. We saw that a few years ago with um, the big brands kind of blocking Facebook and others saying, well, we're just not going to advertise there as long as you have certain types of content on your platform. We've seen credit card companies deny, deny service of like, well, we just won't allow these transactions to happen if these certain safety standards aren't met. Um, you know, as a former, former member, founding member, I was on the Twitter advisory board back in 2015, and there was a huge effort conscious effort put towards here's what we're doing around trust and safety and bringing in a, a global panel there's over 100 of us at that time of really like how can we approach this online safety stuff and ad revenue as you know most social platforms are driven by ads and that's a big part of the income um, in 2020 we saw sort of a brand safety revolution and i know you're part of that with the brand safety institute and others and looking at content adjacency types of content and we're getting a lot of uh good questions from brands saying like, hey, what, what type of stuff do you allow on your platform, right? And, and no platform is going to be 100% safe, right? Just like cars, we still have seatbelts. Cars are not 100% safe, but we acknowledge that something can happen and you put certain things in place to mitigate that risk. Um, social media, dating, gaming, it, it's the same way. What folks are looking for, if you look at the regulation coming down, if you look at advertisers and their spending dollars, if you look at users where they spend their time, they're looking for places that are making the best effort to keep people safe. Um, one of the stats that we use, it's been verified by multiple uh, multiple re uh, research reports, looks at essentially 80% of your problems are caused by 5% of your user base. So as we start to break that down is what, what are the tools we need in place? How should platforms be thinking about this? You know, Not just from a, a brand safety perspective, but also from a user safety perspective and really trying to break down uh, those different components, like what does it look like, who are the teams, who's working on it. What's been tough with the layoffs, besides people losing their job, that's never an ideal situation, but that means those who are still working at that platform, their workload has increased. And so trying to think, are there ways that we could automate certain systems in this workflow? Is, is there technology out there? Is there resources out there to try and make that more efficient? And then the third part to that is how do we empower trust and safety teams, even brand safety teams, to sort of make the argument about why this is important, to show that, you know, hand over hand, this is how money is made, this is how we can keep users safe. Uh, there's enough research out there that if someone has a good experience, they're going to come back, spend more time. There's data, very specific data on how much a marketing team has to spend to get a new user, how much they have to spend to win a user back after a bad experience. 
Um, and really, you know, how do you communicate that to engineering? How do you communicate that to product? How do you communicate that to C-suite? Those are all different skills. Um, you know, we just can't be the the school marm yelling like, who will think of the children, right? Like we have to have these very strategic arguments of this is why we need to keep users safe. This is why it's good for business. Um, and this is how it's going to help our platform grow and, and really scale in the future. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, well said, and, uh, and and we know how hard these platforms are are all working on this. I mean, you and I both engage with them, and um, the folks that are still there are as dedicated as ever, and um, I think we're all very, very hopeful, and, and I think that, you know, the positive side of it is that the, the brands want to be good partners, too. I mean, this is about media effectiveness and efficiency and getting their message out to their audience and their customers, and they want to be there, um, and they're looking for the signals that can tell them it's time. It's time to come back. It's time to, to turn up our investment, et cetera. So, right, it, it takes a lot of communication a lot of being able to have those conversations um, and, and to set up your organization and your processes and your and your approaches um, mm-hmm. in a way I think that's collaborative and cross-functional. Yeah. So well, that that trust component is so huge, right? We saw with Garm had a study a couple of years ago looking about 60% of consumers want a brand that aligns with their values, right? And so having trust not only in the brand, it relates to platforms now, to people, organizations. Um, it's fascinating to see how consumers are just paying so much more attention to that, right? Like what decisions are platforms making? Like where where do your values fall in a given spectrum and how does that relate to mine and trying to connect with that? Um, a lot of the conversations I'm having now, particularly with the Digital Services Act in Europe, right? The new EU regulation really came from what a lot of folks are calling a trust crisis, right? You know, trust in platforms, trust in governments, um, you know, everyone to kind of do the right thing. And so that's that's where a lot of the conversations and a lot of these actions are coming from is like, how do we get back to really just building trust up again uh, with individuals to want to come and, you know, you know, believe in these products and believe in these platforms and to engage in these spaces and create content. Yes. And then the younger generations are e- even more um, dedicated to those uh, principles and to making decisions about where they spend their time, who they spend their money with, what products and services they they buy, um, because they are acting on their values very much, and they want to see that from the companies that they engage with. So, yeah, you're spot on, spot on there. So, given that this is our current landscape, and that you get to speak with lots of different trust and safety and content moderation teams at various kinds of companies, uh, both in the categories they operate and also sizes of companies. Um, Would you be able to distill for us what you think right now are the biggest challenges and therefore the opportunities uh, for trust and safety teams in this environment? Yeah, there's quite a few. As we we start to think about it, one of the biggest ones which we've touched on is going to be transparency, right? And with transparency comes education, and it's twofold. And then I feel like that gets even more complicated because now we have transparency reports from multiple platforms. But if you read, uh, example would be Meta, you know, Google, YouTube, Twitter, um, all those transparency reports talk about similar behaviors, but they often use different terminology for that. Um, Example would be within uh, the tech community, um, bullying and harassment as an issue vertical exists on pretty much every platform. 
Um, that said, there's no consolidated agreement over what bullying and harassment is. What does that look like? And even the experts would disagree on that um, and how they would define it. So being able to sort of come to a common consensus of what some of these terms are, what some of these behaviors look like, how do we define them? I think it would definitely help platforms to better communicate. Like we took action on this content, here's why and how. Um, that would also help governments who are trying to enforce that, right? As we're seeing in the EU, now with the UK bill uh, in Australia as well, um, just trying to hold platforms accountable. I, I don't think platforms are against the accountability, but I also don't think there's an understanding of how any of this process works, right? The techn technological implications um, or technological implementation of everything that's being discussed. Um, the second piece uh, with the education transparency reports is I think platforms are thinking about, you know, how do we let individuals know content's been actioned, in what way it's been actioned, what is the messaging that's around that, how do we get that messaging out? Um, that has been a struggle for many years that platforms have played with. We saw it on Instagram. We've seen uh, push notifications, nudges about, hey, you said this thing. You sure you want to say it? There's been a lot of efforts, you know, on, on Facebook and Twitter, for example, saying, hey, you want to share an article. You haven't read it yet. Are you sure you want to share this? So really just trying to understand, like, what are the interventions, the preventions, the communication tools? What are the words that are going to work to let people know, like, something's going on? Um Another one is just looking at behavior. So much of trust and safety in, in its history has been reactive. And so now we're at a point, you know, particularly at Spectrum, we talk a lot about healthy behaviors, pro-social behavior, and there's a conscious effort, particularly in gaming, to look at how do we build an environment to promote these positive behaviors and to reward what's going on and to acknowledge good stuff and create environments where people feel a little bit more connected and empowered. Um, and we can see that. So for example, if someone comes in and we get a flagged report, we can look and see like, hey, this is only the second report on this person. If we look at their other actions, were they having a bad day? Did something happen in a game? How could we, uh, we be better informed to what just happened in order to make the right decision when it comes to moderating that content, right? Do we take it down? Do we send them a warning? Like, what does that look like? And when someone does something good, like how do we reward that, right? That needs to be a piece of the conversation as well. How are platforms recognizing those are doing well and then building better champions? I think that's a better, you know, a good piece of the brand safety aspect too, right? How do we find those who are champions of our cause and our brand and sort of elevate them in the conversation because they're the ones who are going to try and keep this space, you know, as good as possible because they're a fan. They love it. They enjoy being there. Yeah. Great, great points. Yeah, I, I completely, I completely agree. I love the, I love what's happening in the game space with, um, you know, positive play. So there are a couple of initiatives on that front, and of course, many companies take, taking their own, uh, taking their own initiative to to test those things out and and you know really take a look at the game mechanics and what motivates people in a in a positive way, not just the enragement that you know many of us are myself included you know I'm subject to get enraged now and again online when I read something. Yeah. <laughs> So okay, so let's let's build on that a little bit, a little bit more, and talk about um, how we as an industry might continue to come together on some of these things. So, as I mentioned at the top, you were involved in the creation of the current user safety standards, which was the first industry-wide effort to really drive home and consolidate that there are principles uh, that drive trust and safety policies and practices. So just backing up to that time, what motivated you to lead that initiative? And the, uh, well, it started off, I was partially voluntold. 
Um, it was one of those like, hey, you'd be good at this, which is kind of how I got into teaching as well, which I think is funny. Um, it, it's something that I learned, particularly in, in education, right? Because in, in education is very complimentary. You find other educators doing great stuff and you're like, hey, I want to do this at my school. How do I do that? Same in my nonprofit work. It's like, hey, we're doing these programs in the US. Like, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this country? And, and why is that working? It was very collaborative. Um, for a tech industry, trust and safety has historically been that way. And it's been great to meet with folks on the platforms. Maybe they've been on the product team, they're on the policy side. Folks are very eager to share what's happened. And it, but it's happened at conferences and coffee shops. You know, you have a few friends like, hey, we all worked at Twitter for three years. Now we're different platforms, but we have a group text. And so trying to find a way to how could we take that sort of group knowledge and consolidate it to a degree? Um, I inherited the standards in the rough draft stage, um, which was great because it's a little bit easier than starting from scratch for me. Um, but it was nice to see like, okay, there's thinking in this way. This is how folks are doing it. Um, and then that gave me an opportunity to reach out to other folks in my professional circle and be like, hey, if you had to answer this, you know, how would you answer it? And there's nothing better than asking someone a question and decide and discovering pretty quickly that something maybe not be as worded as well. Um, that there's a vocabulary difference, particularly between industries, right? So dating and gaming as an example, um, and really start to dial in of, of what these standards look like and understand that when we develop these, you cannot have a one-size-fits-all, right? There's considerations to make about um, what platforms they're on. So dating, gaming, social, there's uh, considerations to make around the size of the platform. Is it a new platform? Is it an experienced platform? Um, and really, you know, what good looks like at each stage of operation will vary in that respect. And so it was just a great opportunity to develop something that would help the industry. Um, for me, it's once I got involved in trust and safety, you know, I've always loved a mindset of like, how do I continue to help make this better? I, I love being a part of it. And it gives me an opportunity to connect with some amazing professionals who, who are doing this work. They may not get the accolades. We're often behind the scenes. Um, but we're very smart and hopefully then can inspire, motivate and educate the next generation of like, hey, here's here's kind of what's been happening. Like we're we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Stuff's there. Good things are happening. Um, but here and here's a place to take a look and kind of get started in the process. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so we are embarking on another stage of the uh, standards, as you know. And we're preparing to issue a call for participation in our working group, uh, which we just kicked off. And uh, we'll be unpacking what's in the standards currently and how we can make them current with uh, best practices today and look for other ways we can, we can make them helpful and really um, and actionable. So we've had a little bit of conversation around this, but what do you think the group will be considering as they look at where these best practices need to evolve to. Yeah. A lot of the conversations around the standards, um, I, I mean, we interviewed a lot of companies when this started and really um, a lot of trust and safety professionals, some who just started, some who've been in the space for conversations around policy. An example would be a TikTok. You know, I was working on uh, the uh, a suicide self-harm threat. And one of the things we talked about was eating disorders, and we met with the brand safety side. And one of the first decisions we made on an ad policy side was not to have um, dieting advertisements on the platform anymore, right? In pills and, and ads or anything like that. So being able to have those conversations, I think is huge for a platform, but having a space to consolidate that. And that's where I think Oasis comes in is, is to have that 
common area uh, where these groups can convene, have these conversations and sort of lay that out um, is going to be huge going forward. Mm-hmm. Excellent. How do you feel about um, the challenges that might be presented by some of what we're seeing with these new AI technologies? That is, the challenges with the AI technology is going to be interesting, right? Because there's a specific law in place or law amendments, uh, but it's written within the Digital Services Act that if you are on a platform and you are interacting with an image, a bot, or anything that's driven by AI, um, the individual user is supposed to know that. And it's it's still not entirely clearly defined, but we're in the space. We've seen it with chat uh, GPT recently, right? Looking at um, conversations, like you can generate content, you can practice sales calls, you can uh, generate entire essays. We've seen schools banning uh, chat GPT because they're like, oh, we don't want them cheating on essays. Um, and so trying to understand, one, what does that look like? What does the messaging around that look like? Um, and then the ethical implications of AI is definitely a, a much needed conversation. Um, but then I was thinking education. I really think there's not a huge understanding of how AI works. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's only as good as the data you have. So having those conversations about, you know, what are the ethics behind it? How are we interacting with it? What does that look like? Um, are definitely going to be evolving as, as those best practices um, in the AI world. And we've seen several groups along with Oasis having conversations to that effect. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think a lot about, of course, our pillars of safety, privacy, and inclusion, and we've already had to explore, unfortunately, uh, the negative impact um, that AI can have on on being inclusive or exclusive, as the case may be. So that will be interesting for us as a group to consider and, and see what we can do to provide some guidance. So thank you for that. Is there anything else we didn't cover that you wanted to touch on? Oh my gosh, how much time do we have? There's, it's it's a big world out there. I know. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing for me at the Oasis, I really encourage folks to come and check it out. I, I think it's a novel effort. If folks have feedback, I, I encourage others. Um, you know, it's worth, you know, making the pledge. It's, you know, as I started to look at the standards as they evolved, it really looked um, almost like a playbook, right? And trying to break down is like, what what physical things should we have at, at different areas? Um, you know, one of the, my favorite debates I had with someone, you know, we thought it was pretty novel. You know, one of the first standards, like, do you have a head of trust and safety? And then I met with someone who had worked at large platforms and had been at several startups at that point. And they're like, well, I don't really know if you want a head of trust and safety, because it's like, they're not the only one who should be in charge of trust and safety. And that spawned a whole conversation of how do you get then inclusive buy-in across teams and essentially issue issue ownership of uh, specific aspects of trust and safety and how it gets embedded in the process. And one thing we have seen, particularly with startup companies, you know, have embedded safety by design into their process, right? It's much easier to implement at the front than to drop in in the back end 10 years later. And so that was such a great moment in that conversation of like, okay, how can we structure this to let folks know, like we can build this in the process that it is a team-wide goal and getting different folks on board. And it's such a great thing to see more of that happening and, and would love to see that continue and hopefully evolve uh, going forward, particularly uh, here in the tech industry. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, thank you for that. And um, certainly we will be very much open to hearing from anyone and everyone who has utilized the standards or would like to utilize the standards or has an idea for what is needed in the marketplace. So we'll be getting the word out on that and uh, you and I will be busy. 
So that's a good thing. It's a good busy. It's a good busy. It's a good busy. Yeah, there's work to be done, as I said. So thank you so much, Matt. I just I really value your partnership and your expertise and the energy that you bring to our group. And I'm looking forward to seeing um, our, our work come to fruition this year. Thank you again for your time. For more information on how you can help build ethical and positive online experiences for both users and brands, download the Oasis User Safety Standards on our website at www.oasisconsortium.com.